Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to keep your ride or die alive. From supercharges, brakes, exhaust kits, and more, 122 million parts. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. Welcome to Power Hour, where we are power ranking something every Wednesday during the season. You can guess how Power Hour works. You're going to hear this sound, and then we're going to rank some stuff. It's That's it. It's that simple. <laughs> Craig, what are we ranking this week? Tell the people. We are ranking week one overreactions, which is honestly, this is, I think, the best week in football content every year. The week after week one, particularly in fantasy, is oh as good God. as it gets, and we are going to rank the overreactions. It's always funny to see how incredibly wrong or in some cases, right, you were on things. But I, it's mostly funny to see when you're just like, wow, Trey Sermon. I was off on that one. Uh, <laughs> let's see how this goes. Let's see how this changes. But um, yeah, I love it. Week one, overreactions. It's the best time to make overreactions. Week one is an extension of the preseason because it's like, whose line is it anyway? It's like, not like the points don't matter. Unless it confirms your biases, in which case they totally matter a lot. <laughs> right, Otherwise, right. it's like, that's week one. You can't take it seriously. Yeah. So we're going to go through all the week one overreactions. First, news. Holy crap. Josh Gordon has been, is, is sorry, he's completed his NFL monitor treatment program, according to Adam Schefter, and has recommended to the NFL that he be reinstated. Gordon is awaiting final proof from the NFL, Commissioner Roger Goodell. But Gordon said to be ready to play and vaccinated and quote, oh my God. DK, are we doing this again? It feels like it. I'm not going to get, from a fantasy point of view, I'm not going to get too excited about this. I mean, it's been... No. It's been a long time. You have time. to get excited about it. You have to get excited I'm, about it in I fantasy. I very much am, will be rooting for him because I think he's an awesome athlete, a, a great player, and if he can get back and stay in there, it's going to be an awesome story, and, and I'm 100% rooting for it. However, I'm just... I'm not going to overreact to this. It's This has obviously happened several times in the past. and um, Eight. He's been suspended eight yeah, times. Several was an understatement. So I don't know. It's just one of those things where I really hope he can get on the field and stay on the field. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough to it's tough to trust this situation because the NFL is, you know, he's on the 
basically one strike you're out list and any little slip up and he's gone. He's still one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen play football. <laughs> that 2013 season, he literally is. He's a top five receiver I think I've ever seen play like live. Yeah. With Jason Campbell and Brandon Whedon throwing him passes in 2013, he had 1,600 yards. <laughs> yeah, it was, was so ridiculous. long ago. Like, because Craig, you've been making the joke all offseason that we have to stop talking about Carson Wentz's 2017 because it's starting to sound like he were in high school and it's like, yeah, like could have gone pro if coach hadn't benched. Like, <laughs> just like stop yeah. talking about 2017. Gordon's year was 2013, but you look back and it still was incredible. 2013? Oh my gosh. So, yeah, ignore so, the fact that time like, flies. That was time a long flies. time ago. Yeah. But it's not that long ago. It's like Addison Ray at the Met Gala last night. Everybody was mad because she said she was wearing a dress from 03 and called it vintage. Dude, the Seahawks. Everyone was like, oh no. The Seahawks, Seahawks won the Super Bowl in 2013, and that feels like ages ago. So, so just to yeah. put this in context of like why we're talking about this 2013, Josh Gordon, 1,600 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, and he did it in 14 games. At 22 years old. Oh my God. 1,600 yards in 14 games at 22 years old. Whedon. Brandon Whedon, Jason Campbell, <laughs> Brian Hoyer were his quarterbacks. So it's like, also, he's the only receiver to ever have back to back 200 yard games. So I was thinking basically what happened is imagine if Justin Jefferson had his rookie year last year, except he did better in like all of his stats yeah. and played fewer games and then just like didn't really play football consistently ever again. You know what, though? E even with all of the, the, the sporadic games he's played here and there after that 2013 season, if you accumulate all of his games played, not even just games started, games played divided by yards he's put up, he still averages 67 yards a game, which is <laughs> over 1,000 yards a season. Yeah, that's actually, I did not know that. That's like crazy. <laughs> well, Deke, I'm surprised you're not kind of, not ex excited is the wrong word, but he, he's actually ended up on the Seahawks for one of those like brief stints. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Seahawks definitely, I think, committed to him to help him try and, you know, get past all the addiction issues that he's faced in his life. And, I, you know, I think he, he was a great fit in Seattle and they embraced him and he seemed to really embrace Seattle. So it was awesome. And I really, again, I really hope that, you know, it all works out for him and he gets signed and he ends up playing and, and it goes great. But, um, you know, it was one of those things where we got, we got, as Seahawks fans, we got really excited about it. And then um, every time he's like very close to getting ready, there was a, a number of different reasons that he either got, he stepped away from the team for a while, I believe. And then he actually did get suspended later. So um, I don't know. It's just, I, I can't get, I can't get myself emotionally excited about it again, but I really do hope it works out for him. So this occurred to me because basically, I don't know if it's worth the headache to pick him up. But someone in your league is going to get excited about him and Adam. Oh, and I realized sure. yeah. this is the most similar I think we've ever had a free fantasy free agent thing be similar to real life NFL GMs where they're all like, oh, my God, are we <laughs> going to deal with this guy? Well, like, well, someone's going to get him. Yeah. Uh, shouts out my friend Chris who drafts or picks up Josh Gordon. He's his favorite receiver <laughs> every single year. He's always in. Give me one team that you really hope he signs with. What's the, what's the top? Anyone the where he'll team? actually be on the field. So it's, to me, it's Seattle or Tampa Bay. Because like, if he goes to Seattle, Russell just take care of him. And if he goes to Tampa Bay, Tom Brady will just take care of him. Tampa Bay, he's going to be like the eighth receiver on Tampa no, Bay. No, no, no. Yeah. There's one hitting us right in the face. Who's the best team in the league who has a very lack of, who has a lot of lack of depth at the water? Oh, Kansas League? City. Yeah. Oh, they do take chances. I guess I was thinking of it as like, who's Kansas the best City. team to like, let him actually stay on the field. But that's a more boring. Either Kansas City or Green Bay. Green Bay. Oh, yeah, Kansas City actually does make sense, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Baltimore? 
No. Yeah, I don't want that. It wouldn't be good least. for fantasy, but yeah. I don't know. They're anyway, good. They're so like, Sammy Watkins. Are you actually? Yeah, so should fine. people actually pick him up? We're recording this on Tuesday. I, he's honestly, he's probably gone in your league. I don't, or maybe not. I don't know. But like, ten team league, I don't think he's worth it. But like, Craig's looking at me like I'm crazy. You would pick him up in a ten team league? <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I would bid. He's some a money. free agent right now. To be clear, he's really? not on the team. Couple bucks. Wow. Couple bucks. You know what? Here's the one thing about free agent auction spending. No one ever spends their 100. Everyone finishes the year with like 70 dollars because they're afraid to spend the 100%. money. 100. Throw $2 at him. Who cares? 100% agree with you, Craig. Like, the only people who spend the number are the people who make it to the, like, the playoffs of the championship. Yeah. You you should want to finish your season with $0 in your pot than, like, 40 and not get the guy yeah. you wanted in week five because you were nervous. This is something we, we had a question on Twitter um, asking, basically, and we'll get into, I guess this will be a good segue, but basically it was asking how much of my fab money, so what percentage of my free agent auction budget would I spend on Elijah Mitchell? And the answer for that is, I don't know, because your league, you have to really, <laughs> you have to know your league. Like, are you in a league? And you guys seem to be in leagues where people are like stingy with their fab dollars. I'm in leagues where people just go fucking balls to the wall and spend their entire fab on one guy in week one. It's not the league is stingy or spending a lot. It's individual people. My brother will right. proudly spend $45 on his like free agent auction budget. Basically, every in the first two weeks, he spent half his money. And then other people, like the other six people are like Craig, where they're sitting at 100 bucks, and everyone else is in the middle. So it's really, can you predict the wild cards? Yeah. So the answer, the answer is you have to know your league a little bit, or at least try and read the room. It's like playing poker, I guess. But I would say it's worthwhile spending a good chunk of your fab money on Elijah Mitchell because he could, like we talked about last episode, he could be just the next Kyle Shanahan running back that comes out of nowhere and rushes for 1,500 yards. Yeah, if there's a 20% chance he keeps the job the whole season, then it's the best $30 of free agent budget you've ever right. spent in your life. We should mention here that the Niners did sign on Johnson. They added him to their practice squad. DK, does that affect the way you think about Elijah Mitchell at all? No, it doesn't. that doesn't worry me. To me, that's just depth, uh, having a backup option. It's kind of like, it's a little bit like the Ravens situation, but the Ravens actually have more injuries. So they're like down to their third string guy. You know, um, the 49ers still have Elijah Mitchell, who they drafted and who they talked about in the preseason as a guy they really like. They obviously still have Trey Sermon, who uh, I don't even want to get into that. And then Jeff Wilson's going to be coming back halfway through the year at some point, And he's going to ruin everyone's fun. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, and this is Barry in the lead. Raheem Mostert out for the season. We found that out on Tuesday. Um, he's going to have surgery on his knee, try and come back next year. But he is gone. He's out for the year now. So now it's, I, I would guess, I, you know, I don't know what the situation is internally in the 49ers, but based on what we know right now, it's Elijah Mitchell's job to lose, right? Yeah, well, this person who tweeted us, DK, uh, we should probably respond to the tweet because this episode won't come out until tomorrow when the free auction bidding has oh, already... Oh, I did. I responded to him. The window closed? Oh, okay. By good. the way, this is great. I responded to him and then he deleted the initial tweet because he didn't want his league mates to see it. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, the point it's very being, sneaky. you might be listening to this in time to make a bid for Elijah Mitchell. You might be listening like not in time. The point being, if you got him or not, you have yeah. to be prepared that like two weeks from now, he just gets beat out by like Jermichael Hasty for a game and it's going to be a roller coaster but like you just hang on because it's it's a it's a roller coaster in 49ers it land it's and worth it 
it's worth the um, again. It's just like yeah. every four years, Kyle Shannon has like some rookie six rounder go for sixteen hundred yards. You know, play pro, play the odds. That's all. And these guys usually have this. It's usually weeks one to three when like the big injury happens, and then the guy comes in that's going to be a player like the James Robinson type for the rest of the year. How people had a Justin Jefferson like week three uh, last year. So I would say that now is the time to spend your money for Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Like I don't think thirty dollars is unreasonable. You know what I mean? Something around that I, range. I actually agree with that because I think a lot of people would say $30 is too much. And to your point, Craig, well, a lot of time the, the budget goes to shit if you don't like get out to a three and one, four and one start in the beginning. Yeah. Like you can do that two more times. That's three chances at like a potentially league changing player. I, I agree. agree. And, I, and to be clear, like we're recording this on Tuesday. This is going to come out Wednesday morning. So obviously a lot of most leagues are the waivers are already run. But I think generally speaking, what we're saying is don't be afraid to just go for the gusto in your with your fab like dollars. Like I do this in most of my leagues. Honestly, I spend majority, maybe ninety percent of my fab, sometimes all of it, in the first two weeks. <laughs> if you want to be like really pinching with pennies, then like just stop buying Starbucks or something in your real life. Like don't like pinch on your fake fantasy free agent dollars. Like that's not the time in life to be frugal. Anyway. Okay, let's get to the power ranking. Craig, you have power ranked the week one overreactions for us. And these are your Craig. rankings, so if you're wrong, we're just going to tell you that you're wrong. But please lead us through power ranking land. Okay, yeah. So the way I kind of thought about this is like, what's the freakout scale? What is like the irrational guy going to think? And this is how uh, I went through. I ranked the top 12 of reactions. Number one, number like one Like from a fantasy manager perspective, like you're looking at your yes. matchup, you've lost or won whatever. And yes. The fantasy manager's irrational Hold on. Reaction. Are we? Do we have a timer or are we just going to time it in our heads? Oh, right. The timer. Power hour. We got to start drinking. <laughs> All right. Craig, timer's starting right now. Go. All right. First overreaction. It is Zeke, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, and the fall of the RB1. So I've, I've broken this up into, into three, uh, the, these three guys, and I've attached a freakout scale. I want to start with Zeke who I have a three out of 10 on the freakout scale. Mm. Then I got Aaron Jones, also a three out of 10 on the freakout scale. And Derrick Henry, a seven out oh. of 10 on the freakout scale. So with Zeke, listen, uh, if you go back and look at all the other running backs who played the Bucks in 2020, let me read you a couple of the lines. McCaffrey, 59 rushing yards. Kamara, 16. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 37. Josh Jacobs, 17. Aaron Jones, 15. David Montgomery, 29. This is what happens against the Bucs. They asked Zeke to be a 6-0 lineman, and he did a good job. Yeah. Collinsworth was praising him. Like, he played well for the football team. This is just a classic example of a fantasy guy being pissed that, like, he didn't play well in the right way. Well, hold on. You're saying Zeke people are freaking out 3 out of 10, or they should freak out 3 out of 10? They should freak out 3 out of 10. So not, not freak out that much. But this is number one because I think it is, these three guys, I think, are the biggest overreaction right now of the week. But I'm saying should be 3 out of 10. Yeah. Slow your roll there. Slow so your roll. What about Aaron Jones? Same thing, man. I mean, the entire Packers offense, like, disintegrated. Yeah. They collapsed. Yeah. The Saints D played great. They were getting killed. They benched all their starters in the fourth quarter. Their next four games are playing the Lions, the Niners, the Bengals, like, Listen, unless you believe that the entire Packers offense in the Aaron Rodgers era is ending, which I don't, this is another one you got to chalk up to a bad week. Derrick Henry. Henry, what do you think about this? Well, he had 58 rushing yards on 17 carries. The Titans got smoked kind of offensively. They didn't really look the same. Yeah. Uh, it looks like they're missing Arthur Smith a little bit. But all of this mistakes, all of the mistakes by the team in, in just the game is kind of adds up into this cocktail of maybe creating a mediocre Derrick Henry season. This was our, this was my take purge. And uh, I don't know, folks. Here's what I'm thinking about Derrick Henry. <laughs> folks. When they lose 
he scores 10 fantasy points a game. When they win, he scores 20. So if the Titans are terrible, you really have to start worried about Derrick Henry. So they have a really easy next four games. They play the Colts, the Jets, the Jags. But then they play the Bills, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Rams, and the Saints. I think ride Derrick Henry for four weeks and then maybe sell high. What do you guys think? My first thought was, doesn't he always start kind of slow and then pick up steam as the year goes on? But I was looking at his stats from last year, and no, not really. He had 116 <laughs> yards in week one, 84, 119, 57, 212. And in all the, in, in, in four of those six games, he had multiple touchdowns. So maybe my memory is just getting foggy. But yeah, this is definitely disconcerting. I think that your point exactly, and then we can move on, it, that you're basically betting on the Titans. You're not even really betting on Henry. It's, are the Titans good? And I got some big questions about that. That's a big question mark to me, so I'm a little bit worried. My thought is that that was a gross and disgusting uh, taking advantage of the timer system that we've just implemented. <laughs> but that's like, Sorry, I, I jammed three people into one there. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Starting the timer again. Go, Craig. Next overreaction here. It, it bleeds in from the first one. It's just the Titans and Tannehill. Uh, midway through the second quarter, A.J. Brown and Julio had zero targets. O-line got thrashed. How worried are you guys? Why are they not throwing it to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones more? This was the thing that worried me the most. I mean, A.J. Brown had four catches. Julio Jones had three catches. What are you doing? I know that they... So, respectively, they had eight and six targets. So, that's not terrible. But I, my personal opinion is, if you're losing three quarters of the game, these guys should both have double-digit targets at least. Well, what happened was Chandler Jones had five sacks and absolutely destroyed Taylor Lewan. because here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, what, you know, what, what the Titans haven't been able, what the Titans have been able to do unbelievably with art when Arthur Smith was running the Titans offense was they would stay on schedule. And that sounds like a very football guy term, but it's true. It's like you want, you start first and 10 and you want like a second and six, second and five, and you want to get, or skip third down altogether or get third and two. And when the Titans are like, the last two years, the Titans have not had a lot of third and longs. They're going to have more now, it seems, without Arthur Smith as their coordinator. Obviously, when they're getting dominated by Chandler Jones and he's blowing up every third and long, like that's going to suck. I'm curious when th they're not giving up five sack games to one guy, how they do in those throwing situations. But it's not like Tannehill's been unbelievable in third and long. Tannehill's been unbelievable at keeping them on schedule and getting the right amount of yards in every play and then taking big shots. I'm kind of dubious that the Titans offense will be very good going forward. Like, I think that the two-year stretch is over. I think I would be freaking out more right now if the Falcons had come out and just lit things up and Arthur Smith had sort of lived up to this offensive guru genius type thing, but they suck too. So I'm just going to, I'm going to like take the just wait and see approach with this. If the, if the Titans are bad again next week, my panic level is going to be much higher and I'm going to probably be out on Julio and AJ Brown for well not AJ Brown but Julio for the rest of the year I don't know but for now we'll just chalk it up to one game they didn't have a good game plan against Chandler Jones four more easy weeks for the Titans and then things get dicey so yeah. I'm just saying maybe in four weeks we'll be talking about selling high on Tennessee okay next next up number three Falcons and Kyle Pitts are bust <laughs> This is three. He didn't hit 660. He didn't get six catches. Yeah, for this 60 is yards. number three. Everyone on the Falcons was terrible and they looked horrible with Arthur Smith, got lit up by the Eagles, a team everybody thought was going to suck. Kyle Pitts had 30 yards. Calvin Ridley didn't catch a pass after the first 
15 minutes of the game. Mike Davis wasn't good. How, first of all, how dare you? How dare you besmirch Mike Davis, who <laughs> outplayed Calvin Ridley in this contest? Uh, do you guys remember a couple of weeks back when I was telling you about watching preseason football and the Falcons were just the most disgusting offense I've ever seen in my life? Like their their preseason performance, at least the week that I I think it was the first week or the second week was j- pitiful, just pitiful. And it carried over into this. It carried over into the regular season. I know it's a different quarterback situation, but no. But that's my question for you, DK, for this zoom out for this whole exercise. Is do you look at week one these days as an extension of the preseason, just from the lack of practice time teams get? I mean, yeah, I think you have to because honestly, most a lot of teams are starting to trend in the direction where they don't even play guys in the preseason now. They do have joint practices with other teams and things like that that can kind of simulate games, whatever. But at the end of the day, these guys are still knocking off the rust and everything. Um, so I don't know. I would say though, just that vibe, the vibes really carried over from the preseason. This the vibes. The the, <laughs> the vibes around the Falcons when I watched them in the preseason were like, oh my God. And of course, that was with AJ McCarron and whoever under center. So it was totally different. But like Matt Jones just did not look good. They got completely over like Matt Jones, Matt Ryan. They got completely outplayed. They did not look sharp. Um and after the first couple series where they looked good, they like couldn't get it back together and they couldn't make any adjustments to fix it. So, uh, the aura of Arthur Smith is, it took a little bit of a knock this week, I'd say, but you know, there's, it's a long season, so we'll see. I will say real quick about Kyle Pitts, the underlying numbers for Pitts are strong. Like he ran a lot of routes. He ran routes on 80% of the team's dropbacks. Great number for a tight end. That's what you want to see. You split out wide on the wing, doing all that stuff. Love that. Um, and he had, I think eight targets. He was, and I saw this per Hayden Weeks, third in targets among tight ends, sixth in air yards. The production is going to come with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is not a bust. The Falcons offense, though, could overall just be not as good as we hoped. Next one here. The Jalen Hurts Fantasy Hall of Fame <laughs> campaign Love it. starts right now. Yes. 28 fantasy points, sixth amongst quarterback this week. Uh, 364 yards, three touchdowns look good. O-line was great. Uh is everybody right now feeling extremely stupid for not taking him with the Russell Wilsons of the world? <laughs> I took way too much, I thought, of Jalen Hurts. I have so a I'm ton of Jalen Hurts. I feel like we were touting Jalen Hurts. Like I feel like if you're listening, I, I, I hope you have Jalen Hurts. If you want to trade him, sell high, sure. If you want to keep him and like keep the money on the line, sure. Like, but here's the thing. Here's what we know. Jalen Hurts has not had fewer than 19 fantasy points in his start. It's pretty good. He has not had fewer than 60 rushing yards in the start. I'm not counting the one where he wow. got benched when he really? was going to get it. Like, isn't a few? Well, I mean, there's only five games. Yeah, one but he got benched. I'm not counting good. that. So, yeah. 60 rushing yards every game. Here's a fun stat. It's from Tristan Cockroft. Jalen Hurts has the fifth most fantasy points of any quarterback ever in the first five starts. Fifth most ever through five wow. starts. The list ahead of him, the only guys with more fantasy points than Hurts through five games is Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. They're all like within 10 points of each wow, other. Wow, Herbert like, on there too. Hertz is at 120 total. Watson's first with 130. And here's the thing. Jalen Hurts got benched in that game. He was basically, if Jalen Hurts had not gotten benched in that week 17 game, if let's say if he had led a touchdown drive, he basically would be flirting with the most fantasy points for any quarterback ever in their first five starts. It's not hyperbole. DK, we have 20 seconds left. Throw cold water on this if you had to. Well, I was going to say this as a positive, but the one piece of cold water that I could throw on this is he had the lowest average depth of target of any quarterback in the NFL in week one. They basically turned this into a 
dink and dunk offense where they were just throwing a lot of screens, blah, blah, blah. Once teams start to adapt to that and I think try and take that away more or maybe just be very aggressive when they're throwing screens and stuff like that, he's going to have to prove that he can throw down the field. Now, he did make, and I saw this, I think he was like sixth or fifth in the NFL in completion percentage over expectation. So he was hitting tight window throws this week. Uh, his touchdown especially was like just right into the, you know, like through two defenders to, to Dallas Goddard. It was a really impressive throw. Um, overall, I thought he looked really good, but he's going to have to prove that. And, and last year he had a really high ADOT and his numbers sucked, you know? So that was kind of like the worry. They, they're they're going to have to bridge that gap because last week it was very low ADOT in terms of his average depth of target when he's throwing passes. Next week, he may have to push it downfield a little bit more. So we'll see. But overall, Nick Sirianni, I think, did a great job designing the scheme to kind of just like ease him in. I think DK made a good point, but it's like catching a pass out of bounds. Like it, most of that was after the bell. So I feel like I won. <laughs> Wait, you won, but I don't, didn't we agree? What are we disagreeing on? I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> just the only one who takes the bell seriously. All right. <laughs> Disrespecting the bell. Okay. Number five, Jamar Chase is back. He never left. He never left. He never left. He absolutely one hundred fucking percent left. What are you talking about? Well, we he the dropped media three made balls him. in one preseason game. This is what's interesting. I can't tell which is the overreaction. Is preseason the overreaction, yes. or is week one the overreaction? Well, let's be clear about one thing. <laughs> the reaction was not to the one game. The reaction was he had two and a half weeks of drop passes at training camp, where the beat writers were like, "Huh, he's dropping. Huh, that's two days in a row. Huh, that's three days in a row. Two weeks in a row, culminating in that game." So, which is the overreaction, Heifetz? Week one uh, or the preseason? I would say they're both overreactions. I would say like, <laughs> like if you thought Jamar Chase forgot how to play football, probably an overreaction, but I don't think it being concerned was an overreaction. I also don't think that this solves everything. So is he immediately, if you guys right now, rest of season, had to pick one Bengals receiver in fantasy football, who are you taking? Still T. Higgins for me. What do you think, DK? Yeah, I mean, I still, I, I still, lean, Chase, or I still lean Higgins, but hmm. um, I saw this from uh, Ryan McDowell. I can't, find it i'm trying to pull it up but he was jamar chase i believe was one of 11 receivers since like 1988 to go over 100 yards with a touchdown in his first career game it's like a very small number um of guys that have done that so i don't want to i don't think we should underestimate what he did in his first freaking game in the nfl so i don't know i just thought it was very impressive um you know, it to me it was just like, yeah, this is this is what it's going to be the whole time. Like, stop worrying about a couple of freaking drops in the preseason. Who gives a shit? <laughs> it wasn't gimmicky either. He, you know, he like I saw some stat about all the routes he ran. He like led the he led the team in short passing routes. He was tied for the lead in vertical routes, and he was either first or tied in routes run every quarter. Translation: He was treated like the number one wide receiver on well, the Bengals. How much of that's because T Higgins left the game? Because he, I mean, he was carted off, so it looked bad. But he got an IV. Yeah, he was just cramping. He came back. Yeah, just throwing it out there. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. Okay, number six. Number six on the overreactions power rankings is Najee Harris and every Steelers running back, just James Conner. <laughs> and what do you mean by that? Like just a... Just slogging their way to yeah. 60 yards on 20 touches every game, as did Najee had 49 yards of, from scrimmage, 17 touches, no touchdowns. Played literally every snap. Yeah. Literally every snap. Which All is right, I, I, I want to dwell on this. this. Najee Harris gets the Everybody Was Right award because I banged the drum and I half jokingly said he would never come off the field. Even I did not expect him to literally never come off the field. A hundred percent snaps is nuts for a running back. And yet the contrary, the, the counter to what I was saying was that, well, the line's bad. Well, guess what? Najee Harris was hit behind the line of scrimmage on 75% of his carries, which was the most in week one. So I feel like everyone was right. However, I still maintain if fantasy football is about volume, like you, he, he plays every snap. Like what else do you want? Yeah. You want him not to get hit behind the line of scrimmage 70% of the time. That would be super nice. That would be chill and, and cool. But I also think, again, the thing about Najee is like he's huge, but like that maybe can lead to the perception he's not like a good receiver. I mean, he. I think he's still going to be able to catch enough that, like, he'll. he'll I mean, it, he played every snap, man. What happened to volume is king? Was it a coup d'état? <laughs> uh, they also play the Raiders and the Bengals week two and three. I think it'll be fine. Obviously, I think I kind of feel the same way about Zeke as I do about Najee. Yeah. Where we all just need to settle down a bit. But uh, not the greatest start. How did you think he looked? Like the eye test, Craig. I think he looks normal. I, I mean, like he looks fine. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I you know, it was one of those things where he was getting hit behind the line so much, it was actually really hard to tell, like, if he was right. any good. It was just like he had nothing to work with. I wouldn't say he looked incredible, but it was, again, it was a bad situation. It was very tough. I think everything that we thought was going to happen, like Hyphen said, did happen. Um, I think he's going to be just fine. I think this volume is exactly what you want. He's getting every single touch, every red zone touch, every target in this passing game uh, for the running back position. So I'm, he's going to be totally fine. I'm 100% still in on, on Najee. Number seven, overreaction, is Jameis Winston Drew Brees. Five touchdowns, less than 150 <laughs> yards, first quarterback to ever do that. He did throw an interception. He like it was, did. Yeah, he did throw one. Did they get called back then? He got bailed out in the worst. Call. Without, like, it was... The call kind of disappeared oh, the in the ether. Penalty. It was the worst. I, I would think you could say it was the worst roughing the passer penalty in the history of, of the roughing the passer penalty like existence. And it just didn't matter because the game was a blowout. But it was the worst one that I've ever seen. Yeah. He, the guy, was it Zadarius Smith? He literally tackled Jameis Winston like the way that you have to practice to tackle It looked the like a training video yeah, yeah. for the no like body teaching, weight rule. Teaching tape. <laughs> it look, yeah, it looked like teaching tape for the you can't land. Anyway, who cares about that? The point is, Jameis was great and I actually think the best play Jameis made was the throwaway. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a point where like he had really good protection and just was bouncing and no one was open and he just freaking sailed the ball like 30 feet over like his receiver's head out of bounds and he actually told <laughs> Peter King do. like, yeah. He told Peter King that was his favorite throw of the day. Peter King's like, he threw five touchdowns. He's like, I know, but did you see when I threw the ball away instead of like forcing it? And like that actually, it's corny, but like I, that, I don't think there's three Jameis Winston throws like that in the last four years. Like, I think that's a sign that he's changed. He's yeah. gone through puberty. He's matured. This is, uh, I've, I became, you guys liked, I did the Mitch Hedberg quote for the article on the, on the Cardinals the other day. I thought of another one for uh, Jameis Winston. Mitch Hedberg's uh, joke is, 
everyone always talks about how hard it is to stop smoking. Um, and I, but since I don't smoke, I don't really know, but I do know, er, God damn it. I totally butchered wow. it. But basically, <laughs> it doesn't have 18 time. seconds left. Go, go again. You can still do it. You can still do it. Okay. So the punchline is, it's really funny guys. No, the punchline is basically it, it's as easy, it's hard. It's no, as I want to hear the joke. Tell the joke. Fuck the timer. I'll break the timer. Time out. Time out. I need to hear this Mitch Hedberg oh, joke. Oh, no. Hyvis is disrespecting the Fuck timer. Fuck the timer. Okay. Tell me the Mitch Hedberg joke. This, like, this is my nightmare, by the way. Um, this literally isn't even live, and Danny Kelly is struggling. I know. Okay, so here it is. People who smoke cigarettes say, man, you don't know how hard it is to quit smoking. Yes, I do. It's as hard as it is to start flossing. And for Jameis Winston... Throwing the ball away is like starting flossing. It's just like completely unnatural to his whole personality. It's like quitting Whoa! smoking. I really regret pushing for the joke to be told. That's funny though. I, it's just like when he checked down. I, one of the announcers when he checked down because it was it who was doing that game was it Joe Buck and Aikman? They were like absolutely praising him for checking down. They're like, God, Jameis is really growing. Joe, uh, Camara, none of these guys are open. Turned. Dumped it off to Kamara. Like, that's what you'd like to see out of a professional quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's, it is quite the low bar. All right, we're starting. The, I'm sorry. Uh, that's what I get for disrespect. I regret I everything. Okay. Number eight on the overreaction scale. This is another take purge that is perhaps coming to fruition if you are overreacting. Shouts out Danny Heifetz. Josh Allen falling back to earth a little bit. <laughs> yeah he was um, the QB 21 this week which by the way crazy week of scoring for quarterbacks 15 quarterbacks scored 20 or more points which is a ton 15 scored 20 more points but uh the O-line didn't look great against Pittsburgh he had 270 yards one touchdown two fumbles high fits how you feeling look the, the reality is I'm not saying Josh Allen will suck again like he's 2019 Josh Allen I'm also just not saying that like 2020 Josh Allen was a mix of like actual skill improvements actual better play and immaculate health from the people around him on his offense. And also just like kind of a little bit of good luck, which is not a disrespect. Like the Bucks got a little lucky to win the Super Bowl. Like you can't be as good as he was last year without luck. All I'm saying is like, there will be more suckiness from Josh Allen this year. We saw it. I'm not look, the Steelers are an incredible defense. Minka Fitzpatrick was unreal in that game, but like, I still think he's going to be really good this week. I still think he will have dominant weeks for you in fantasy. I just think, it is naive to look at the biggest increase in completion percentage in NFL history and be like, yeah, that 100%, that'll keep up. I really wanted you to lean into the he's going to suck again thing. <laughs> no, like he'll have big weeks. I just, he's not the guy who was last to completion percentage last two years ago, but he's also not going to just be the guy last year. He's both. He's Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, yeah. Last year was just 97% Hyde. I actually don't know which one's which. I don't know which is the good Hyde or Jekyll. Oh, interesting. I, I don't know I if I do I never read either. the book. Who's good, Jekyll or Hyde? I have no idea, actually. Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde? Uh, I, doctor, I don't actually, I assume Mr. is the guy, bad guy because doctors are generally good. Jekyll is good. I think it's the other Hyde way. is bad. Dr. Oh, okay. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. What did Hyde I actually, What did Hyde do? We don't have time for Jekyll this. Jekyll is a kind and respected English doctor who has repressed his evil urges inside of him. So, This is worse. This is worse than my rambling, fumbling over the punchline of a joke part. Yeah, it was. Okay. Back to the timer. <laughs> okay. Number oh, nine. God damn it. Uh, yeah, what do we got? Brandon Ayuk, man. People are really panicking if they have Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. 
Uh, I saw a funny tweet from Ian Harditz, <laughs> PFF. He was like, I would have a way easier time believing Brandon Ayuk's lack of playing time was due to the hamstring issue if they didn't also use him on a punt return. He also played like half the snaps. Why are you playing him if he's hurt? I feel like, yeah, that's the thing. So the hamstring injury, like, do you guys think it's, it might be both, but do you think that it's like the hamstring injury was just worse than they thought or that he actually got beat out of training camp, perhaps in part because of the, ham the hamstring injury? God, I don't even know. I don't even I think know. Debo be, I think Debo being the number one, Debo and Kittle being like number one, two, and Ayuk fighting for third is like legit. And honestly, I think we whiffed on like how Ayuk, his entire stretch last year was awesome, was when Debo and Kittle were out. Hmm. And yeah, now he also back looked and incredible. In order. He was the first yeah. round pick they traded up for, I thought. And he looked incredible. And now he's a backup. I just think it's Shanahan mind games and it fucks with people. This is like, and Dante Pettis is a very different player. I was just going to say Brandon that. Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is way better in every, in every area, but he had a solid, uh, Dante Pettis did, had a solid rookie, second half of the rookie season came on really strong. And then Shanahan essentially just fucking put him in the doghouse and he never played again. Like it was like, he's, he completely ruined the guy. Shannon's West Coast, he's West Coast Belichick, man. The running back thing, him randomly not liking guys and benching them. Just iced him out. I think it's important to note the one thing that we also never really talked about, Ayuk, is that he was really good while the 49ers went like two and six or whatever during that stretch. Like the Niners were like very below 500 for that stretch. Nick Mullins is selling it. You can separate skill of a receiver from winning and losing, though. Like he looked great. He wasn't bad. I'm just saying, like I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I that's the that know. is the one I feel like I know the least about of this entire list. I'm not. I think. He's Are you gonna, starting him next week? No, you don't Absolute, start him next week. How he, could you yeah. start him? Okay. All I right. think he's going to come back, though. That's my thing. Ultimately. So then you should overreact to this. Okay. That, uh, yeah. You know what? Of everything on this list. Don't I would him. not play Ayuk this week. Okay. All right. Number 10 here. Another one for our old Danny Heifetz. You should bench Saquon Barkley. Listen here. He had 11 touches on 28 <laughs> offensive snaps. Fine, whatever. He had 2.6 yards per carry. Very giancy. Next week, so they play Washington on Thursday. Yep. Here's my theory. This I'm going is to the I game. What? I'm going to the game. Giants Washington oh, nice. Thursday. I'm going to see all the dismay up front. I'm really stupid to pay money. <laughs> You're just paid money to have a bad time. Don't listen to whatever I say next. I'm paying money to see Giants Washington. Okay, I, here's my theory on Saquon for the season. I think you sit him until he's good and you eat that one game where he comes back and plays really well and you chalk that up to like a net loss. But on the season, it will be a net game because you don't have to sit through all the shitty games he's going to have until he takes off. Just suffer one takeoff game and then start him. You're saying have him big on your bench before you play him and he sucks. I agree. Well, firstly, it's it's this simple to be like he played bench less than him half until of, he's good. Saquon played less than half of the snaps in this game this week. It was the first time in his career he's ever played less than half, not counting like games he got hurt. I don't know what would change the Giants' minds about that in three days. It's not like three days go by and they're like, oh, he plays his second game in four days. Let's have him play more than half the snaps. Week three, I'll have 10 days off between that and the Falcons game, maybe week three. Realistically, Saquon's been good, not because he's named Saquon. He's a big athlete with like huge quads. It's because he gets 90% of the Giants' snaps. And if he's getting less than half, I would reconsider if he's an automatic start for you. To me, you can bench him this week. DK, do you agree? Yeah. You don't have to bench him. You just, you can. I mean, yeah, it depends on the teams, of course. But um, I'm, I have him on one team and I can't stomach starting him. I just think it's one of those things where he's not going to get enough snaps. He's not, he didn't look good. The Giants are terrible. They're playing a good, 
front <laughs> front seven. The Washington defense Dude, to me is not. I not don't good. see why this yeah. game will be different than the Denver defense like on Sunday. Washington's probably better points. up front. <laughs> so and, and the thing is, the Giants scored fourteen. The Giants scored in the last play of the game with one second left, down twenty four. Like they yeah. scored one touchdown, and the Washington defense is very similar. Also, did Saquon? Sorry if you already said this. Did he have any catches? Did he have one target or something? One, like one that? catch for one he had, catch. He basically what is it? He, 15 touches for 27 yards, 12 touches for yeah. 27 12 yards. 12 touches for 27 yards. Yeah, one catch for yeah. a yard. Like it's sit him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number 11, overreaction. Lamar Jackson, pretty rough week one. Should you be worried? <laughs> you know, they're playing a Raiders D that no one was really writing home about, I feel right. like, in the offseason. Uh, his legs are once again incredible and gives him a floor. Uh, you know, he ran for like 70, 80 yards as he kind of always does. But I don't know, man. He, he missed a lot of passes. It felt like they didn't really want to use his legs in the beginning. They kind of ended up having to. But he was the QB 20 on on the weekend in a game where they played pretty much five quarters. Right. Uh, That's a huge... Lamar doesn't suck. The Ravens are the most injured team in football. And so if Lamar's trying to become a better passer, he's already hamstrung by the fact that all these receivers... Have, he hasn't... Pra the only receivers he has who are healthy didn't have training camp. And then not to mention that I mean, now they've Ronnie Stanley still looks recovering from his knee injury. Who's their left tackle? The right guard just got hurt. I forget his name, but he's he's decent. But he he's hurt. And Villanueva like, everyone's got handled. Every like not to mention the running backs that are banged up. I mean, this is just kind of a disaster for this Ravens one week into the the season. Like, Dude, I, what do you think, DK? Mac, Max Crosby had like thirteen pressures or something ridiculous. He was pressured. Uh, Lamar Jackson was pressured, I believe, on half of his dropbacks, which is Ronnie Stanley gave terrible. up terrible. Like, all like. How, I think as many pressures as he had in like the entire like 2020 season or something I don't know, close. What like, the hell it, was going on? I mean, I, he, well, I think Crosby's good and and Gawkway is good. So there's that. But also, it's just man, they looked their offense just didn't look good to me. Um, it didn't. They didn't move the ball crisply. There was a few very exciting plays from Jackson. Like Marquise Brown had a few flashy plays, but like where was Mark Andrews? There was one play. He dropped a pass like late in the game that was like a, a key play. Mm -hmm. I just he. Mark Andrews is turning into one of the most frustrating superstar yeah. fantasy guys. You know what I mean? It's like he's either he's either just scoring two touchdowns and looking awesome, making these incredible one-hand grabs, or he just does jack shit. So, I don't know, man. It's like three years yeah. in a row where Mark Andrews has had, like, drops in just incredibly important moments. It's like, they're all, it, the fantasy it doesn't go in the box score, but they're always in important spots for Baltimore. Yeah, especially especially in a game where Darren Waller is just going freaking ham on people, 19 targets. Like, get, get Mark Andrews involved, man. You don't have any other receivers. What are you doing? Okay, next one here. Is Antonio Brown just the best fantasy wide receiver on the Bucks? I would, this is a good, I like this. I think he will often be that. If you look at the games that they have all played together, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, since Antonio Brown started midweek, midseason uh, last year, he has the exact same amount of targets as Mike Evans and three less than Chris Godwin. Like, it's a three-headed beast, and it's equal. Who played well in week one? It was Gronk and AB. Those are the guys that Brady specifically brought to Tampa Bay. Those are the guys Brady specifically has worked with, and they know exactly what he wants. Well, Godwin had 14 targets, nine catches, and 105 yards. All right, he did well, too. But my point being, I just, it's like, I actually, it, like, Brady likes what he likes. Brady wants what he wants. The guys who can do that for him get the ball. I think AB qualifies. Arians was talking about how he looked like old AB. Yeah, like from five you know, years AB, ago. Uh, Arians, yeah. used to, Arians used to coach him. Uh, we were kind of high on him in the offseason about, you know, his fantasy outlook and it immediately paid off. Like 
if somebody told me right now, I I debated my take purge being Antonio Brown's going to straight up outscore Mike Evans. This oh, that year. seems like a given now. <laughs> <laughs> you think? No, I don't know. It feels pretty. It feels pretty like a strong bet that's going to happen. It, it, uh, it's like, look, AB a- had an eight. Like, I can't say I love rooting for him, but he did have he had a, the, the best eight season stretch of receiving yards in NFL history, and he looks about eighty five percent as good as when he, he did that. Yeah. I mean, he looked very fast, very uh, twitchy, explosive. I would say I I would push back on Craig, on Craig's take here though, and I think that Godwin is still going to be the top guy in this offense, um, especially since he's running a lot of his routes out of the slot. Like he's just going to, especially in PPR and half PPR, he's going to get peppered with targets. I still think, you know, he was one. He he fumbled that ball away late in the game when he was trying to dive in for the end zone, but he would have had two touchdowns. You know, if he would have held on to that, and we'd be talking about this a little bit differently. I think I think Godwin is still the guy. I think he's. Um, you know, I think Antonio Brown is probably a all like an all around the best receiver in this group, but I think Godwin's ascending, and Mike Evans and, and Brown are both sort of on the decline. You know, relative to where they were before in their careers, Evans to me is like, are we benching Evans now? I feel like you have to bench Evans. You, that's I. That's a that's an insane overreaction to me. You're gonna bench Mike Evans? <laughs> I don't know. TK's, TK's, you know, 12 shots into power hour, so we can't really judge him right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> I'm going hard on this kombucha. Uh, no, but I like, honestly, though, how much do you trust Evans to, like, bounce back after that first week? This is something that we had to go through every, every week last year when he scored, like, seven goal line touchdowns. But the usage, the underlying usage is really crappy. Uh, target rate, 13% in week one. And that's, like, lower than he was last year. It was 17% last year. I would not bench Mike I'm Evans. I'm worried. I doubt people have three options better than Mike Evans. Okay, last one here. I want to do an honorable mention. <laughs> this one's hilarious. And we do it every year. It says Adam Thielen just continues to be good and everybody writes him <laughs> off. The man has 28 touchdowns in his last 42 games. He's got a touchdown in two-thirds of the games he's played since 2018. In 2018, he was the wide receiver eight. In 2020, he was the wide receiver eight. 2019, he was hurt. He had two touchdowns this week. Um, it's hilarious. He's just white and over 30. Yeah. That's literally yeah. it. Well, no, it's not just that. It, although that obviously it is. hurts. No, it's not just that because he had 14 <laughs> touchdowns is. last it year. Is. And like it, the way touchdowns work, it just is assumed that like you're probably not going to be. What did he turn 14? Like 20 red zone targets, 22 into 14 touchdowns? Like that doesn't usually happen. The flip side is that at the extreme ends of regression, sometimes there are guys where it's actually just a skill. Gronk is like that. Kelsey's like that. Devontae Adams is like that because they have the skill set and the rapport with the quarterback where they're just incredible to an outlier level in the end zone. I'm wondering if Thielen and Kirk Cousins are there. But I I guess what I'm saying is this has kind of been there. I mean, he had six touchdowns in 10 games the year before that, and he had nine touchdowns the year before that. What I'm saying like, is... It's not like he's... No, but what I'm saying is you're right in that we when we talk about the best red zone connections, it's Mahomes and Kelsey. It's Rodgers and Devontae. Guys that even though everyone knows right. where the ball's going, they can right. get it anyway. I think maybe we need to talk about Kirk Cousins and Thielen in that conversation. Thielen had yeah. all of the end zone targets in this game for the Vikings. That's Devontae Adams-esque. <laughs> I just think it's, it's so funny. How many times you watch the Packers game on primetime and it's like, in Collinsworth, it's like, well, we know where they're going to here. And then they just get it anyway, even though Devontae's doubled. Like, that's Thielen now. But no one wants to say it because, you know, Kurt, no one really likes Kirk Cousins. So. All I'm saying is like, if, I don't know. If Deontay Johnson had 14 touchdowns last year, I don't think anybody would be like, well, regression. Yes, right? they would. I don't know. <laughs> uh, real quick, 
I, I'm feeling like the Vikings are going to be a, a fertile fantasy land this year because I think that they are as bad as I thought they might be defensively and everything. Um, am I overreacting to week one, them getting beaten by the, the Bengals? Or do you think that they're... Because remember, Heifetz, you were like, oh, their defense can be so much better and therefore their offense isn't going to have to do as much stuff, which I throw you know, as much, I, yeah. Could we'll happen. We'll see. I, I, it's, I still think it's preseason. It's certainly right. in play. Right. And yeah, Kirk Cousins is also a totally streamable quarterback as long as the defense is bad. But I agree. I, I want to see it. I, don't, I would not brand any defense locked in for this week. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, let's get to some emails. First of all, we're bringing back bad beats. You can send us your bad beats. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Put in the, uh, the subject line, bad beats. Got a bad beats from Nate. 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 <laughs> this is from Nate. I thought this was fun because the Monday Night Football game ending was one of the more insane football games Bonkers. I've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah. So... This is from Nate. He has zero. He, he needs 19 points from Lamar Jackson to win. Lamar Jackson gets him 18.9. So he is 0.1 point shy of winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Ravens give up the ball in their final drive. So the game's probably over. Then the Raiders drive down and get to overtime. So he's still alive. But the Raiders win the toss, which is bad. Right. Raiders drive down the field, which is badder. Raiders score the game-winning touchdown. He writes, I lose by 0.1 points. I need to win. Uh, I'm at peace. My struggle has ended. The end is nigh. The touchdown gets overruled. The celebrating <laughs> I know, players I know where this is going. called yeah. off the field. <laughs> Nate writes, the Lord works in mysterious ways, but it's first and goal on the one, so I'm still screwed. Then the Raiders do the pass, the, the false start. They pull interception. a Seahawks. Yeah. He's like, miracles rain upon me. Lamar completes the 10-yard pass to Sammy Watkins. He he is up now. He is winning. Yeah. Hallelujah. And then Lamar fumbles on the next play, <laughs> loses him the two points, Raiders score game over. Oh, brutal. I love this. Yes. The end of that game was so fucking funny, by the way. So I, I was in a matchup with Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points last night. I was up on him by one point. One point. And we're in a tight end premium league, and he had Waller. So Waller had to just catch one pass. And this is going into overtime. And we're texting each other. Like, the game goes to overtime. I'm like, fuck. Like, you're going to win. All he needs is one catch. They're definitely going to pass it to Waller. And his response to me at the time, this was before overtime, was, well, we for sure know it's not going to be Brian Edwards catching anything. Because, like, you know, inside joke, Edwards had 
not caught anything that whole game, like zero targets. Then they immediately go to Edwards like three straight times. He catches the quote game winner. We're dying. And then of course the Raiders do their thing. Totally mess it up. Uh, I don't, can you even, I don't even know what the hell happened in the end of the game. I can't even remember. There's so many weird things. It was the most Raiders thing that's ever happened when, when they had the ball at the one false start pick and everything. Well, I think <laughs> the fact oh the Raiders won covered up the fact that if they had lost that game, John Gruden would be under the most intense microscope immediately because the, the Manning, <laughs> did you guys watch the Manning broadcast? I thought it was the mm-hmm. best television I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I watched it. Eli, Eli Russell Wilson and Peyton are watching this. Mm-hmm. And their reactions to car sucking were hilarious. But, like, they're at the one-yard line. And the second the Raiders got to, like, the play was overruled and they got to the one, Eli immediately said, man, they just thought they won. All the linemen are going to be really jumpy. You got to go on the first count. Yeah. Like, you have to go on the first count. And then two plays later, Derek Carr goes hard count and they do the false start. Everyone's blaming the guy. And Eli and Peyton and them are like, that's not his fault. Like, you can't. <laughs> Do a hard count. Why were they hard What's counting? even the point? Oh, I, and then they, they go back, wanted, and then it's the yeah. pick, and then anyway, it, that was a crazy game. Okay, you guys want to do fantasy court? Yeah. All right. You can email us your fantasy court questions. You can get on the docket ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. The fantasy court is now in session. We get to the. Let's go to the calendar call. Our first, thank you to all the lawyers who emailed me all these fancy legal words. Our first petitioner is Josh, whose commissioner has quit. Mm. Magistrates. Interesting. We need your help. Our league is full of vindictiveness, bad vibes, and general shithousery. And we love it. Our league is even called Fantasy Over Friends. We have a constitution (laughs) because all of the attempts there have been to cheat the system. That's really funny. Can you send us the constitution, please? We have followed up for the constitution. I will say, I have to dust off my fantasy constitutional law. We'll see how I do. He says, in our league, you need to start every position. According to the constitution, quoting the constitution, quote, you need to field a team every week, parentheses, you cannot have blank roster spots or players on bye weeks. You can place an injured player in an active slot, end quote. The -hmm. commissioner's team did not have a kicker. And before Sunday Night Football, other teams picked up all the remaining (laughs) free agent kickers. Holy shit. So the commissioner picked up an unsigned kicker and played him for zero points because, you know, the kicker didn't have a real-life team. The league thinks the commissioner should be punished by losing 10% of his free agent dollars. The commissioner has decided to no longer be the commissioner because, according to him, there was no shady shit, no advantage, and he's pissed. What is fair? Should he be punished? If so, with what? Magistrates. So they're mad because... So I guess he's saying he can put it... If you can put an injured player... In that spot, what's the difference between putting a free agent in that spot? But the rest of the league is like, look, dude, we fucked you over. You have to take your <laughs> getting fucked or whatever. I don't get this. <laughs> I don't get this. is so unfair. So this guy got screwed out of the kicker, started a free agent, and now everyone's like, screw you, dude. You didn't follow the rules and start a guy who plays for a team. So you have to you know, sacrifice 10% of your budget. This is this and is the a commissioner witch trial. Is quitting. This is a witch <laughs> trial. This is unbelievable because it's like, first of all, this is very simple. The rule they sent us from the Constitution does not say anything that you can't play a guy who hasn't been signed. Like, there's nothing True. in here that says that what he like it says it has to be filled. He filled it with a guy. He he did something. Why do you why I don't understand why you can't play a guy who's on a bye week, but you can play an injured player. Like, what's the point of that? 
Also, like, wh- like, why did you even have to, like, why not let blank roster spots happen? Like, if the guy fucks up, he fucks up. I think that it's the shithazery that was mentioned before and the bad vibes. <laughs> I think what's incredible is they're like, it's very like burn the witch. Like, hey, he didn't have, it. take his money. Like, what, what is the, what is the just, what is the justification for being like oh, 10% of his budget? Right. They screwed him over and they were like, hey, sorry, dude. Looks like you're going to have to give up 10% of your money. <laughs> Do you know a lot of the witches in the Salem witch trial were like old people who like didn't necessarily have inheritance or didn't have people to, for their inheritances. So it was like a way to like steal from them. It's kind of like, feels mm-hmm. what's going on here. Okay. Next one. We wow. Sh- wait, wait, wait. But th- so wait, the guy isn't the commissioner, right? The guy emailing us is not, but the person who is getting attacked is the commissioner. And in response, he's been like, I don't want to be the commissioner anymore. I stand with that man. Yeah, I think he's right. Like, like he's getting absolutely screwed here. Yeah. We this stand is what with a constitution you, is for. Like, it's to defend. <laughs> it, this is a Fourth Amendment issue. Like, he's accused. Like, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty. So an attack on the Constitution. It really is. There's, there's no due process here. Okay. Our next petitioner is Miles. I'm looking Miles. for a rule on scoring. Ch- Miles. Looking- Miles. Kilometers. I'm looking for a ruling on a scoring change on behalf of my Dynasty League. This is the first year of our Dynasty League and the first controversial issue that has occurred. So we want to make sure we handle this properly to set a strong precedent. On Sunday, I noticed that the league was scoring all fumbles as negative one and lost fumbles as negative two. So they're being double counted. So any fumble loss was effectively negative three points. I pointed this out in the group chat. It was immediately agreed that it was a bad rule and that the rule should be reverted to just negative two for all lost fumbles, which is setting. So it's negative two instead of negative three. Commissioner agreed to change the rule. Did not affect the outcome of any game on Sunday. Last night, however, Lamar Jackson fumbled three times and lost two of them. Our commissioner had not yet changed the rule. It was unclear when he was going to do it. So Lamar's point total was negative seven based on these fumbles. The Lamar team that just happens to be the commissioner's team lost by 0.14 points. So we are at a strange point where we wanted to change the rule moving forward for the season, but in the middle, it has clearly impacted the outcome of the matchup, which is the commissioner's team. So there's three paths. Do we change the fumble scoring to impact week one, but gives them the rule that they had agreed on? Do they keep the fumble scoring that we don't like and then just change it next offseason? Or they change the fumble scoring for week two and keep how it was in week one? And they are voting in the chat, but they have already talked in the group chat, and our ruling will supersede any vote that they cast. Wow. Well, so my reaction is, if everybody decided on Sunday that this should be the rule, then it should be the rule. He said, I pointed it out in the chat, and immediately half the league agreed it was a bad rule, and we should revert solely to the, the commissioner agreed to change the rule. If you got majority vote, then I think the guy who lost with Lamar should have won and you should, re- you should retroactively change his score and reinstate this correct fumble ruling. I'm so glad that you guys zeroed in on that because I've already followed up with Miles for more information specifically on what <laughs> many people immediately agreed. And what he said was nobody, di- like, nobody disagreed on the rule change. He posted, he showed me the group mate. He pointed it out. Five people immediately agreed. You got discovery, Heifetz. You got discovery of the whole, like I all got the evidence. I, I, I got our discovery. Yeah, and like five people immediately agreed. The commissioner was like, "Yeah, let's change this." Like there was no dissent, not one of those big arguments. It was like mm-hmm. the five people who are on the chat were like, "Yeah, that's dumb. There shouldn't be double counted for fumbles." So yeah. I actually lean to like if they had agreed on it, they should. I kind of think the commissioner gets the win. It, I would actually say yeah. this: if the person who he was playing was one of the five. Yes. It's 100% the commissioner gets the dub for the new, like the fumble rules has changed retroactively. 
That I agree on. And I almost agree even if it's not him. Because if you had six guys who said, yeah, we're okay with this, and everyone else said nothing, saying nothing is almost the same as saying yes. You know, Because if, if they felt strongly against it, they would have spoken I up. will say this, though. If the guy was not one of the five who said yes, I think that's kind of tough because like the rules should not be changed generally unless it's like unanimous mid-season. But this was an accident. That's the thing. It's not like everyone got together and was like fumbles are worth negative three. Like, yeah, like, this is also, it's also one of these dumb rules that no one actually uses too. So it's like, yeah, just change it to standard. This was an accident. Yeah, the guy I should think, win the game. The commission should get a W, retroactively change so his record. It just happens to be that there's an appearance of a conflict of interest because the commissioner will benefit. But if the commissioner was not the person benefiting, got receipts. we would very clearly <laughs> be like, this This is what a commissioner is for. Is like, this This is a mistake that this is the scoring. No one ever intended this. It's never been this way before. This reminds me of the, I don't remember who it was. I think of maybe the Broncos and some other team that had a trade that happened. And they just never filed it to the NFL or like took too oh, long yeah, to fax it machine. to the NFL and it just like ran out of time. The Browns never faxed in the trade uh, they were going to trade for. I don't remember who it was. Maybe Andy Dalton. Uh, no, who was the backup to Andy Dalton in Cincinnati? The Alabama guy. Uh, McCarron? The t t terrible tattoo. Yeah, yeah, McCarron. Yeah, yeah. And then the Browns maybe sort of kind of on purpose didn't fax it so they didn't have to do the yeah, trade. Yeah, because everyone was like, why are you doing that? And they're like, oh shit, maybe we shouldn't do and this. And they were like, just like, yeah, let's not fax it on time. <laughs> the other one was, the Broncos one was Elvis Doomerville couldn't get to a Kinko's in time to sign the contract like before you could sign <laughs> it on your iPad. This is a fucking billion dollar. So, yeah, like, literally signed a $40 million Kinko's. deal and couldn't get to Can't Kinko's. Go to Kinko's. Didn't get the deal. It all comes down to a fax machine. Love that. So the reason I say that is, I think we have made our, we've made our re ruling right that the the, yeah. the score should be changed retroactively even though it's a commission blah 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 however commissioner get your shit together that's the theme of lotties okay that's fantasy court gavel can we get a gavel sound craig that's fantasy court you can email us for ringer fantasy football gmail.com we'll be coming to you with prop bets on friday email us for whatever your hopes league. and dreams are bad quarterback league get in the bad quarterback league it is Woo. on fandle fandle.com slash bad qb you can play with us and our user promo code Ringer Fantasy. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Lorne. Lorne. Thank you, Norm. Norm like McDonald. Cheers. Oh, Norm. No, oh, Norm. Wow. What? Who do you think? I, I didn't. I didn't. I, all right. Sorry. Norm McDonald, SNL cast member for 15 years, passed away. One of the funniest people who has ever lived. Um, yeah. Rest in peace. Love Norm. His his roast of Bob Saget, all timer. I mean, there's just so many that you could reference, so many like different of his bits that you could reference. Incredible. Best YouTube deep dive comedian there is out there. Check him out. See you on Friday. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 
There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.